Oh man, episode 28 starting out with a bang. What do you think, AP? Oh man, episode 28, we're two lawyers talking sports. We're AP and Spence, and we have a packed show today, Spence. Yeah, we do. We got Stephen F. Austin, lack of institutional control, eligibility issues we'll talk about. We got the Milwaukee Bucks, legal counsel today. We're going to be getting into that and the NBA and what they got going on. We have a ex-college coach, women's volleyball, that's going to humanize for us job losses, job changes, and the stress of working in college athletics and how it's been enhanced by the coronavirus. And we're going to talk about the NCA and them greenlighting football, men's basketball, and women's basketball to start voluntary workouts June 1. What about the other sports? What's going on, Spence? Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what, what the NCA is going to say. Right now, it's specifically only football, men's, and women's basketball. So we'll see how that goes. But let's let's get right into this thing. Let's talk about the Stephen F. Austin uh, uh, and and what's going on with, their, with that university. First of all, of course, you know Stephen F. Austin. They're the... Their mascot. Oh, uh, the Quakers. No, that's not right. They're the Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. Yeah, Lumberjacks. See, I knew, but I wanted to see if you knew. I did know. And, yeah. and, I think and so, you, well done, Spence. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so, uh, so, they got dinged with a lack of institutional control. A level one violation. What I, I hear that phrase all the time, lack of institutional control. What is What does that mean? Yeah, so I think, you know, we've kind of broke this down uh, before. So the idea is the school has just lost control of what it's doing. Um, administration, compliance, outside people, and you have sort of a structural major problem. It's a repeated pattern that's happening over a period of time to where the NCA says, you know what, you guys have lost control of your institution. You're not monitoring this. You're not taking care of that. There's repeated violations all over the place. We are slamming you to sort of force you to get things right. Okay. All right. So, so, so here are the allegations. Here's what we know. Uh, we're talking about 82 student athletes over nine different sports. There was a violation. I mean, that is a huge number. You know, this isn't one or two kids. This is a major problem. And that, I think that's why they made it lack of institutional control. It's widespread. It's repeated. It's structural. So basically, here's, here's what the NCAA said. They said that... The, the primary issue of the university's uh, former athletic certification process, they failed to consider the degree applica applicability of transfer credits when certifying transfer student athletes eligibility, and also they failed to help those transfer students meet progress toward degree requirements, okay? So that's a lot of, that's a lot of kind of NCA mumbo jumbo there, so let's, let's kind of delve into what that stuff means. So, Okay, so when you're, and Stephen F. Austin uh, greatly benefits from transfers, right? It's a smaller university. They get a lot of transfers from other schools. Mm -hmm. I know BYU is going after transfers. USC is going after transfers. So what does it mean? I mean, when you have a transfer coming in, how do you, how do you get that transfer eligible? What do you have to do to make sure that their degree, that their credits transfer over? Yeah, so the thing is, it's really complex, actually. There's a whole chapter in the NCAA manual that's like 30, 40 pages on this stuff. I mean, it's, it's really dense. We could probably have an entire hour show explaining all the nuances of progress towards degree and, and, where, and transfer eligibility and that sort of thing. But I'll break down a couple of uh, basic examples to give an idea. Okay. So for example, there's the 40, 60, 80 rule. A student athlete has to be 40%, 60%, or 80% of degree progress. They have to meet certain benchmarks. Uh, basically, they have to be 
going towards their degree, right? I mean, they can't just be spinning their wheels, taking, uh, you know, because like at BYU, I'm sure when you were there, you were taking billiards and basket weaving and, and bench bench warming. No, all no, that I haven't. Stuff. No, I was yeah. taking calculus. Oh, yeah. I was big time, yeah. big time um, yeah. important yeah. stuff. Yeah, vector calculus and that's physics. Right. Statistics. Oh, yeah. So, so, but that's the idea, right? And so when a kid comes in as a transfer student, you got to figure out where are they at. Do they meet? Like after their second year, they have to be at 40%. After their third year, they have to be at 60% of the degree progress. So where are they at? And you have to certify that. What happens is when a transfer comes in, oftentimes they lose credits. Okay. They don't transfer to that school, right? So if you're not certifying, they come and say, yep, this, this transfer is eligible. But maybe they're not. They're actually, when they transfer to you, they're, they're not meeting their benchmarks of, of 40, 60, or 80, or, or the right GPA, the right, uh, you know, you have, there's so many things. It's like six degree applicable units. You have to have 18 within the last fall and spring. I mean, there's, there's a ton of nuanced rules. And I don't want to bore everyone with them. They have professionals, the compliance office, one to two people that are doing this full time that are experts in this field. And they have check sheets that they use and they're double checking with the degree progress department admissions. And then what happened here, it sounds like Stephen F. Austin wasn't really involved in compliance. It wasn't involving the right people and they're just certifying people are coming in. And essentially what you're doing is you're having ineligible players playing because they're not meeting the GPA, the degree progress, the benchmarks that are laid out for all the other students on your team. And so that's the problem. Yeah, it's a, and it's a big problem. And you know, this, was, this is affecting Stephen F. Stephen F. Austin going way back all the way to 2015. Yeah. They're having to vacate wins. They're having to vacate their NCAA run. They had a nice, they had a, they won a game in the NCAA. They had to, they're gonna have to take down that banner out of, down there uh, from their stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're losing scholarships. They're losing funding. They're uh, having to pay penalties. You know, I mean, this is a, these are major, major penalties. Imagine this, Spencer. When, so when I, I used to do eligibility for Oregon State and for USC, and I was then the liaison uh, teaching basically the admissions department, initial eligibility department at USC on initial eligibility requirements, transfer requirements. It's very dense and complex, and you have spreadsheets and cheat sheets. You screw up one rule, one small of the eight you know, pages of rules, one thing you're not checking on, and you certify someone as eligible. They come and they start competing for you and it gets found out a year, two, three, four years later and you have to deem it's just a ton of kids ineligible, vacate wins. Imagine if you're the person that was doing this and you're not intending to cheat probably, you just have missed something. So that's, that's the problem with some of these schools that have one, two, and three compliance folks. You might have somebody doing eligibility that has one year of experience. Right. Imagine that one year of experience and you've left yourself open to a lack of institutional control. Um, and that's the thing. And so you got to get this stuff to your compliance offices. You got to beef up your compliance office. If you're a division one program, if you have division one football or division one basketball or both, you have to have four people in compliance, four full-time members. You have to have a couple of those people that have five plus years experience. Right. Maybe they're lawyers, they have MBAs. You have to have smart, hardworking people that know what they're doing. Now, this kind of crap is going to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, of course, I'm, 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 you went to USC, so you're one of the, you're one of the big guys, right? I went to BYU, so I'm, I always cheer for the little guys. And Stephen F. Austin, the Lumberjacks, they're one of the little guys here. You know, we used to call BYU the Death Star. I feel like they're the biggest of all schools. That is not true. USC's the underdog. Yeah, okay. We're a tiny little program. <laughs> Barely getting by. That's sure, sure, sure. 
but the reason why I was bringing that up is because, you know, uh, UNC a couple of years ago uh, went through an academic fraud standard uh, situation where they had these kind of fake classes that were available mostly only to athletes, but then other students were allowed to take them supposedly. And even though these athletes were writing these ridiculous papers and barely, you know, and getting A's in all these ridiculous classes, UNC didn't get anything, not even a slap on the wrist from the NCA. Whereas Stephen F. Austin, you know, okay, yeah, I understand they didn't, they weren't certifying these student athletes correctly, but we don't know the whole story. But it certainly seems like it's not that big a deal to me. Um, but they get completely eviscerated by the NCAA. There seems to be a double standard to me. You know, there could be. Uh, you know, I think it's a haves and have-nots situation, uh, personally. You know, UNC can go out and hire a premier law firm uh, to represent them that has relationships with the NCA, can negotiate good deals, find little wrinkles and nuances, and get it overturned for North Carolina. Stephen F. Austin probably can't do that. And they're, they're banking on doing it themselves. Or maybe they hire the booster down the road uh, that his law firm, he's, he's balancing personal injury cases and now he's trying to take on this massive problem with uh, Stephen F. Austin. And, and so I think that's one big reason. They don't have the relationship with the NCA and so they get crushed. And I think a lot of things in our society work that way, whether it's a criminal case or whatever, the better attorney you can hire, the more attorneys you can hire, the more help you can have, the better result you're probably gonna get. Um, yeah, I mean, is it related on, is it, is it, are they ba bagging on Stephen F. Austin because it's less of a program than UNC? I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't think the NCA wants to do that. Uh, do they protect their cash cows? Maybe. Um, but I, again, I, I think that this was just an easy target because they probably didn't have the right representation. Yeah. They represented themselves and the NCA crushed them. Well, uh, lesson learned, uh, you know, make sure that when you're certifying, tra especially transfer eligible mm -hmm. students, you got to follow every procedure, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to make sure you know what they, what benchmark they need to meet and where they're at, because what's going to end up happening is they're not eligible. And if you say they're eligible, that you're competing an ineligible student athlete. And it's really no different than somebody that was taking benefits from playing. They're ineligible. And so here you have 82 students or whatever it was, ineligible, running around, representing Stephen F. Austin. They shouldn't be there. Um, so that in a, that that's going to be a major for them. It's going to be a learning lesson for programs all over the country. And I think today I just looked on Monster and there's 62 uh, eligibility jobs around the country for compliance. I'm just kidding, you know. <laughs> but I'm telling you, they're going to be opening up. People are going to be hiring. This is a skill they need. Absolutely. All right. What does that sound mean, Aaron? It means we have a caller. That's right. And this caller, as, as it always has been, is brought to us by Welch, Brune & Green. Welch, Brune & Green is a law firm and based in Portland, Oregon. We specialize in workers' comp, personal injury, social security disability, and what else? Collegiate sports law. Basically, we do consulting services for schools, for student athletes, for parents, administrators. Basically, anything a compliance office could do, we could do. Give us a call and we'll help you out. So how do they get in contact with us? 503-221-0870. That's our law firm phone number. Give us a call. Ask for Aaron or Spencer. You can also email us at collegesportsattorneys at gmail.com. Or lastly, you can go to our website, www.wbgatty.com, and all of our information is on there. Give us a call. You won't regret it. 
All right, so here we are. We're going to the phones. Who do we have on the phones today, Aaron? Well, we have Jill Ingalls today, and she is an attorney that works currently for the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA. And I know Jill from my time at USC. I I worked at uh, USC for a number of years, and our paths crossed there for a a, a short time, but a good time. Uh, Jill is is really hardworking. She's good with people. I've always found her to be, um, you know, she knows how to connect with people, which is really a cool skill. I think that's probably helped her in her career. Very smart. Um, she went to a good law school. I'll have her talk about all that, but I've always really respected Jill, and in in the, I'm glad I was able to kind of track her down, and she agreed to be part of our podcast today. Yeah, hi, Jill. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing spectacular. Thank you again for, for taking the time out of your day to chat with us. Um, uh, to begin, we always like to kind of get a background from our callers here. So if you could give us kind of where you went to law school and your background in the you know sports law world and kind of where you are now, that'd be awesome. Sure. So I grew up just south of Madison, Wisconsin. I went to University of Wisconsin for undergrad and then for to Marquette University for law school, um, which is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And during my time at Marquette, they have a sports ball program that I was a part of. And I kind of, that's where I first um, was able to kind of get immersed into sports law and the different fields um, that attorneys can kind of enter into if they want to stay in the sports industry. So I was an intern with the Milwaukee Brewers and also relocated to Indianapolis and did an externship with NCAA's enforcement division um, and also had an internship with the National Labor Relations Board, which has a lot of crossover with professional sports, specifically, you know, Major League Baseball with their antitrust exemption. Um, and then, as Aaron mentioned, after law school, I was fortunate enough to join USC in their Office of Athletic Compliance. Um, Aaron was nice enough to take me under his wing a bit, and I learned a lot from him during the time that we were both at USC. And then. I kind of realized after about a year and a half that I really wanted to focus more on professional sports and um, use my law degree in a more, you know, direct sense than compliance. So I went to the Miami Marlins as a staff counsel, and then I was there for just under a year. And in December of last year, um, was able to actually, you know, kind of land the dream job and move back home to Wisconsin, where my family is, my husband's family is and join the Milwaukee Bucks as their associate counsel, which is where I am today. Uh, well, yeah, Jill, I mean, first of all, that's, that's an amazing background. I mean, you've, had a, a, you've done a great job of, of landing really good jobs, competitive jobs. I mean, jobs that a lot of people would want. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're at USC, which is a cool job, right? I and mean, that's, if you want to work mm -hmm. in compliance, that's one of the better jobs. And I think you were working with football for a while and, and that's yeah. probably the choice spot at USC. And you think, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to join the Marlins at this point. <laughs> and never mind. let's go to the Bucks. You know, I'm kidding. I mean, it's a lot of hard work and, and that's really cool. And that says a lot about you and your persistence and, and uh, your work ethic and stuff. So that's really cool. So uh, if you don't mind, I'm just curious. I mean, so what's like a typical day, week, month uh, for you working with the Bucks? Yeah, I, I will say that um, there is no typical day, um, which is one of the things I love. It's, it's the same as compliance, um, as you know. But, you know, we have here at the Bucks, we have two attorneys that are full-time in the kind of legal department, myself and Mike Sneather and our chief legal officer. Um, but, you know, we draft, negotiate, and manage uh, all contracts relating to both the team 
um, as well as Pfizer Forum, the arena that we now operate. Um, and also the entire, what's called the Deer District. It's about 30 acres of land surrounding the arena. And we have um, retail and restaurants and other you know, businesses that are actually our tenants. Um, so any sort of agreement, whether that's sponsorship, marketing, licensing, employment, promotional, um, suite agreements, commercial leases as well. Um, and then, you know, anything that comes up, like right now in the coronavirus, there's a lot of questions surrounding, you know, can we test our employees for COVID-19? Can we temperature check all of our employees? Um, can, can we even, is it legal to operate a cashless arena? Um, so we're kind of at the forefront of conducting legal research on those, you know, issues and current legal industry development um, as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I know this this coronavirus thing has definitely thrown a little wrinkle on on uh, obviously the NBA and not just the NBA. I mean, Major League Baseball, college football, all all these sports. Um, and yeah, I don't I, I forget about those kind of issues. I mean, like yeah, temperature checking somebody, right? Or or changing the way you do things and there's so many different implications to that and there's not like you really have a playbook to go back and say well how do we do this in 2017 uh, there you know there we didn't we don't have a playbook and so it's 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 that's really fascinating actually um, and I'm sure that the NBA is excited to get back I think um, that's at least what we're hearing kind of out in the news that they're trying to find ways to get back and uh, um, is that true I mean it, it, do, you, do you hold out hopes that the NBA can get going in some capacity yeah, I mean, the NBA um, and Adam Silver, you know, at the helm specifically, has done a really good job of, of you know, communicating to all of the teams and trying to come up with the best scenario um, to be able to come back to play, obviously focusing on, you know, the health and welfare of the players, the team personnel, um, and the fans as well. So it's definitely not something that they are rushing into by any means, um, but they're exploring every avenue possible, I'm sure. You know, you've seen on ESPN, whether it's uh, playing in, you know, two different locations or home arenas without fans, um, nothing is off the table, as Adam Silver has said. So we're hopeful um, that we will be able to, you know, see the end of the 2019-20 season. Um, we, sh we're, we were supposed to be kind of in the thick of, of playoffs right now. Um, we have the best record in the NBA right now. So I think we're all hopeful, and I think the, the league and Adam Silver are also hopeful. Um, it's just you know a matter of making sure it's when, if we do come back, when we come back, that it's done the right way, um, focusing on you know the things that are really important, which is the health and safety of everybody involved. Yeah, right. I, and you know that's uh, that I was just going to bring that up actually. The the Bucks were having. You know, not since the days of Lou Alcindor have they been the number one team in the league. I mean, they had the best record. They were having a great season. They had a great season last year. But they were an even better season this year. So, what's the? Have you been in? Any, have you been in communication with any of the players or, uh, you know, personnel? And kind of what's the feeling around the around the club? Yeah, I think um, I haven't had any uh, specific contact with the players. Um, we, as our attorneys, we are. Um, the attorneys for the business versus the players. Um, so we kind of keep that communication between our basketball operations staff, um, who then discusses with the players. But from you know what I've heard and what I can tell is everybody's trying to stay positive, um, still trying to you know work out on their own when they can, and um, are hopeful that 
they can continue this incredible season that they're having. Um, everybody's trying to just do what's best for, you know, the community and um, the league as a whole. But they're, I think everybody's optimistic. Nobody's, um, other than maybe a little stir-crazy from, you know, staying inside and our safer home orders. Um, I think there's a lot of optimism. Yeah, yeah. And you guys have a pretty good player on the Bucks team. Um, but, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I could spell his name. I wonder if Jill could. Does she know that? I, I think I could. Really? Oh, let's let's hear that. I would like to know if you could spell that because I my one of my favorite teams is the Lakers, and their best player I believe is a guy by the name of LeBron James, J A M E S. Yeah. There you go. So let's see if uh, Jill can do it. Sure. A N T E T O K O U N P M O Ante Tecumpo. Whoa! Holy smoke. That's, that's impressive. impressive. That's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. I had no clue how to pronounce that, uh, but that nice work. And he is an amazing <laughs> gonna, player, actually. Yeah, you gotta say it really slowly in a bunch of syllables. <laughs> well, yeah, Jill. I mean, that's that's really cool. You got a great job. You've done a great job. Uh, you know, getting to these really cool jobs and then doing a j- good job in them. And so I know there's a future's bright for you. What what are you, what are your uh, future goals? I'm sure you're really happy where you're at now. But I mean, do, I mean, do you have mm-hmm. other things in mind down the road, or are you just going to kind of see how it plays out? Yeah, I, I'm definitely open to anything. Um, I've been in this job for, you know, six months right now, and I, you know, the rate at which I'm learning constantly every day, especially kind of thrown into this uh, hiatus that we're calling it, um, is really incredible. The organization is, you know, we kind of consider our organization to be about six or seven years old after Senator Herb Cole sold the team. Um, and there's been a huge, you know, revamp in leadership and progression in our organization. So, you know, right now it's really exciting to be a part of. There's such a collaborative, um, incredible culture that Peter Fagan, our president, has built. Um, so I'm excited. I'm, you know, this is a dream job for me right now, but I understand that I'm, you know, only three years out of law school. Um, so I'm definitely open to, you know, what other possibilities there are, not only, you know, to maybe lead a legal department at another professional team, but also, you know, additional alternative avenues, even within the bus organization. Um, maybe there's another position that, you know, I'm not aware of yet or isn't even created yet that I could kind of morph into my own, um, using all of my skills from USC and the Marlins and the Bucks and um, my law degree. You know, maybe there is a future position that I just, it doesn't exist yet. Um, so definitely open to everything, but really loving the time that, um, you know, in my current role that I have right now with the Bucks for sure. Yeah, there, there was a movie, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it had an actress that was, she was like the GM of a fake Florida football team. Do you remember the name of that? And uh-huh. it had, uh, like, the Wayans brothers were in it. It was a really good movie. Anyways, I could see Jill being, I mean, a GM one day. I, I really could. That would be really cool. And then she's, I have the feeling I'm going to speak that into existence, and then she's going to hire me to be their mascot or something. Yeah, but, that'd be good. I think uh, you'd be good as a mascot. Yeah, I know. Well, Jill, you know, thank you so much for your background and your, your time. I guess and a, kind of a parting thought, if you got some listeners that are, um, you know, uh, want to work in this business, and it's a very competitive business, um, and, you know, maybe they're in college right now or they're in law school or maybe they're in their first job, but they're just, a, you know, in a real low-level spot, and they think, gosh, how do I move up in this business? What recommendations would you have for mm-hmm. that person listening? Yeah, I think a couple of recommendations. One would be um, to kind of take advantage of every opportunity you have. 
that was kind of my motto in law school was to take all the opportunities that are given to me and um, kind of use them to my advantage. I had internships that maybe didn't seem directly sports experience, like in Marquette University's Office of General Counsel, but I was able to, you know, tell my supervisor that I had an interest in sports and I was able to kind of morph that internship and my opportunities there um, to be focused on sports, whether that was reviewing an amendment to a coach's contract or um, the basketball team's kind of, you know, flight and travel plans and those contracts. So I would say first, yeah, take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. You, it's likely that every opportunity can be extremely transferable into the sports context. Um, and then second, to really lean on your contacts and your professional network. I haven't applied for a single position or gotten a single position um, after graduating law school that, you know, where I didn't reach out to somebody I knew who knew somebody at that organization to put in a good word for me. At USC, it was Darren Van Vlaeris from the NCAA, um, who works with USC's men's basketball team. My former supervisor um, at the Marlins went to Marquette. My current supervisor at the Bucks actually put in a good word for me at the Marlins because he's a huge USC fan and went to Marquette Law School. And then, you know, less than a year later, he kind of ended up hiring me and taking me back. Um, and my supervisor at the Marlins put in a good word at the buck. So the sports industry is really small, um, which isn't a bad thing. It just means that, you know, if you have professional connections that you can lean on and rely on um, that are willing to go to bat for you, those connections really make a difference because people like to hire someone when they know somebody who knows that person um, and can kind of vouch for them. So you know, make connections and then don't be afraid to reach out to those people. Everybody in the sports industry has been extremely willing to help, at least in my experience. I'm always open to somebody reaching out, finding me on LinkedIn, emailing me and setting up a time to chat. Because um, those are things that I appreciated from my mentors and, you know, network um, when I was trying to get a job. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's spot on advice. Uh, network, network, network. It's definitely who you know, but you have to have some good skills. You have to be hardworking. Uh, you have to be smart, and and Jill is all of those things. And, and I was able to uh, use her to to get her on the podcast here through the network <laughs> chain. So <laughs> she's right, you know. Uh, anyways, exactly. yeah. So Jill, I appreciate your time. I know you're super busy, and it's Friday, and the Bucks are still uh, at the top of the spot, but the Lakers are hunting them down. So I'll let that <laughs> I'll let that go. But I wish the Bucks all the best. I hope that basketball gets going. We see them in the finals with the Lakers. And uh, I wish them all the best. But, Jill, thank you so much for your time. Let's keep in touch, and I'm sure we'll talk down the road. Absolutely. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Spencer. This was great. Awesome. Thanks, Jill. See you, Jill. Bye. So, no surprise, uh, another individual in the sports world who has, who works hard, makes connections. Uh, Jill's the exact same you know, as anybody, everybody else that we've chatted about. Yeah, we just talked to Jill Ingalls, I mean, legal counsel for the Milwaukee Bucks, and she's been legal counsel for the Miami Marlins. She's worked in compliance at USC and with USC football. She's been at the NCAA. She's been at the Brewers. Um, so, the, And she's three years out of law school. Yeah. And so network, 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 uh, work hard and know what you want, go for your dreams. Uh, I think the slogan has always been, 
Um, I, the meek uh, are the ones that uh, get ahead, right? No. Or is it, how's that go? Again? No, no. How does that no. go, Spence? No, that's not right. No, no. The, 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 the uh, fortune favors the bold. Like yeah, for, for, I read that in my fortune cookie one time too. Fortune <laughs> favors the bold. Yeah. All right. Well, that was, she gave us some good insight into the NBA. It sounds like everybody's positive. We're hopefully we can get going in Orlando or somewhere. Get this thing going, and those Bucks are going to meet my Lakers uh, in the NBA Finals, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Here's what here's. You know, it's interesting with uh, the NBA opening up. Uh, you know, you also still we're still having NCAA schools. Uh, cancel programs just this last week ecu canceled and east carolina they're the uh they gotta be buccaneers they're pirates close oh, close i I'll knew g- it was a swashbuckler i'll give you half a point okay. half a point <laughs> all right so they just recently canceled their men's and women's swimming and diving teams and they've now canceled their men's and women's tennis teams I and mean, just 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 happened and that affects coaches and players mm-hmm. and you know that's got to be tough yeah, well, I mean, that's why we're here. We're AP and Spence, and we're two lawyers talking sports. And what we're going to talk to today is a former women's volleyball coach at the collegiate level. He's been several big-time places. He's a club coach now. And he's going to humanize for us getting terminated uh, or, or let go or laid off at the collegiate level and how difficult it really is. I mean, with the student-athletes, you can't communicate with them anymore because of the rules, the relationships. It's more than just... Bill, the marketing guy that picks up his bobblehead and his picture of his wife and heads out. There's more to it, and we're going to get into it. All right, let's let's talk to him. All right, here we are. We're going back to the phones. Who do we have on the phones here? Yeah, so we have Kyle Wendell, and Kyle is a great guy. When I was at USC, he was uh, one of the coaches for women's volleyball, and um, you know he's been around. He's been in New Mexico and he's been other places. I'll let him chat about that. But really good guy, really fair guy, good coach, and he's experienced um, you know different ups and downs that comes with uh, job change in in the sports world, especially at the collegiate level. And I know last week we were talking with Brian Parisi um, from Akron, and some programs have been getting eliminated recently because of the coronavirus. And we kind of wanted to. Uh, to humanize that and explain kind of how that works, uh, that hor- kind of a, a firing, whether it's performance related or, or if it's a, a layoff or a change of staff or a head coach doesn't get retained, what happens to those assistant coaches and, and how, how does it affect them? And so we got, we're fortunate to have Kyle uh, on the line today and he's going to chat with us a little bit. Yeah, great. Hey, Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell us a little bit, uh, just briefly, about your coaching background and where you're at now. Um, I, I've coached collegiately for uh, almost 15 years, uh, was spent at Ohio University, Montana State, uh, USC, and uh, New Mexico. And, and now I am uh, associate club director for Sunshine Volleyball Club in Los Angeles, California. Oh, that's that's so you've been around volleyball, I mean the majority of your life, you know the game, you know, you've you've coached tons of different student athletes and and PSAs and and that sort of thing. Um, you know, with this whole idea of the coronavirus uh, forcing some schools it sounds like to eliminate some programs, um, 
you know, or, or just in general, if maybe you've been an assistant coach somewhere, the head coach is let go or fired or there's a staff change. I'm sure that you've been through that a couple times in, in your past or at least once. Um, I was hoping, that, you know, just to kind of humanize that how, does that, how does that happen? I mean, how do you find out generally that you're being let go or laid off or terminated? And, and what happens to your relationships with those student athletes? And, and, and just how does that go about? Because I think it's a little bit different than Bill, the marketing director, that's just told they're going to lay off 40 sure. people, grab your stuff, you know? Sure, no problem. I, I think uh, the best case, and I think the case you're, you're kind of familiar with, is just my time at USC. Um, it was a scenario where my, my boss was at the the end of his contract and ended up not being renewed um, by administration for whatever reason. And uh, it's certainly a difficult thing and it's it's something where us as assistants, it's, it's, there's just a lot of unknowns. Are we gonna be retained? Are we not gonna be retained? Um, there, We have some added protection with the duration of our contracts and uh, in the case of UFC, I, I was protected um, basically for unemployment from December until until July. Uh, so I really didn't. The urgency to get get a job wasn't super high, but I knew I could take my time and and and, and find a job or or get a job that I knew that I would would be happy at during that time. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the the tricky part is is whenever you leave a university for whatever reason you you lose a lot of those those relationships that you've built with maybe your boss maybe with your other assistants and, and especially the kids um, recruiting as you know used to be so early in women's volleyball that we would indirectly have conversations with PSAs from the time they were 15 until they were graduated with college. So you're looking at your, your relationship that you build with these kids is, is at least seven years long and however you continue that relationship after, um, that relationship changes a little bit. Um, so it, it's, it's a hard thing because you, you see it a lot of these uh, PSAs and student athletes just, just grow and mature as people and, and you put a lot of time uh, in with them and you know create this bond and, and eventually friendships that uh, you know last a lifetime. I know my, my boss at, at USC is still close with, with kids that he coached at Kellogg Community College back in the 70s um, and has recruited their their kids and their grandkids potentially and, and those are those are lifelong bonds and anytime you're kind of forced to sever those ties it can be very difficult yeah it's you know and for me selfishly like if I was in that position I've never been in that position but honestly, as a human being, I would probably think, like if somebody unjustly got rid of me, let's say it had nothing to do really with me, it was just like, hey, we want a staff change. We want fresh ideas. You know how that goes. 
and but but it really doesn't justify it by the record or the wins loss. It's just a just a change, you know. I would harbor some animosity and almost feel like when that new coach comes in, gosh, I'd hope they don't do very well to 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 stick it to them. But then you also have kids that you care deeply about still on that team, and you don't want to see them suffer. So there's this kind of like Certainly. you know this kind of weird balance of like I want those kids to do well but I don't want that coach to do well I don't know maybe that sounds selfish but I would imagine some of those feelings it would almost be natural or if you have that team still on your schedule down the road and you're going to play them you probably have a special sense of wanting to beat them um, you know because that, that's what's unique right like if, if you know if you're working at uh, you know a marketing company and you're laid off you're probably not going to go fight that marketing company for anything specific probably I mean occasionally that might come up but um, gosh that that's you know that that's just super tough, and 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 of course the recruiting rules—you can't really get terminated, and then just keep texting and calling these kids, right? I mean, you're kind of restricted once you oh, kind, sure. kind of say goodbye, and so it, they may not even fully understand that, right? Because you guys might be super close, and then suddenly, hey, sorry, I got let go, adios. And because if there's oh sure, and I think I think we're all competitors, and and we all want to. We certainly don't wish any ill will uh, on the kids, and we certainly as 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 a coach professionally, it, it seems like now we we know all the other coaches that a lot of them are colleagues and friends, and um, I, I don't wish by any means that USC's, for instance, volleyball program wouldn't do well. I want them to be successful. I want the kids to be successful. Um, I, I think there was, and again, you're 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 familiar with this whole scenario now that we have. Um, an administrator at USC who ends up being a ringleader for this college admission scandal, and you know that that brings a, a little bit maybe a satisfaction to an unjustly firing or or whatever, whatever. But but I don't I don't wish any ill will for the kids of the program. I you know I, I want those those kids to be successful in volleyball and. Um, for them to be successful, that means the coach has to be successful. So, so it's all good there. Your uh, your current position now, you're um, uh, you're doing some pri- some kind of a more private coaching. How's that? How's that going now with the uh, with the coronavirus? Obviously, that's affecting you. Probably can't get in the gym very much. Oh yeah, it's 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 incredible. The well. It's, it's incredible the different views that, that parents have on just the state of coronavirus. We, we suspended our training, I believe, this, by the end of the second week of March and haven't really, and have done no volleyball stuff in a gym since then. Our club uh, is one of the few clubs we've actually conducted workouts and, and practices on zoom um so we we still regularly meet with our with our players um but there's a lot of clubs that that have that don't there's a lot of clubs that have laid off all their coaches and just kind of moved on and we're really fortunate that we're able to still connect with our kids even though we might not be practicing or might not be playing any tournaments and and usa volleyball is in the real precarious position where they want to have tournaments, kids want to have tournaments, you know, everyone is 
reasonably conservative in these precautions we need to take to start play. Youth sports are just are are really hurting right now. I think just across the United States with all these sports clubs and potentially middle school and, and high school teams as well. Yeah, I mean, gosh, there's this theme of coronavirus just impacting everything, and a lot of times in a negative way. Um, sounds like your your business as well. You know, one thing about you, Kyle. I mean, you were just fantastic at USC. I mean, great coach, good person. Uh, everybody liked you. You were super smart. What the heck is it going to take for one of these programs to make you the head coach, man? I'm sure that's what you want, but that's disappointing. That, like, but hopefully that's still your goal, right? I mean, you want to coach a head coach at the collegiate level? Yeah, I think if, if the right opportunity presented itself, I, I would want to get back in the collegiate ranks. I, I like, I love what I'm doing now. There's, there's job security. Um, there, there's none of that pressure like uh, being in collegiate athletics. Um, so, so part of me loves what I'm doing because I'm I'm able to create some roots and and know that that I can be in this position for for really the long haul without having to worry about is this a contract year? You know, are the kids upset? You know, what's what's going on behind the scenes there it just creates so much uh so much drama and so many unknowns when you're in that in that college world yeah i've noticed that i mean gosh there's a lot of people that bounce around quite a bit they're here they're there they're in this city and that is that's got to be disruptive i mean you know of your life and not be able to set that roots or always feel like you got to look over your shoulder am i going to have this job the next year you know and that's got to be a that's got to be tough, you know, where, where, yeah, so that's a good point. That what you're in now, maybe you've experienced enough of that bouncing around. You think, I, I'm looking for something more permanent and more roots, so maybe that's what you got right now, man. That's good for you. Yeah, and like I said, if the, if the right opportunity came around, I would have to give a serious thought because I, I still love volleyball. I love coaching volleyball, being in collegiate athletics, but there there's also – the element of, of being single and being able to bounce from job to job, and then there's the element of uh, of having a partner and not having to think for two or think about the impact that might have on the other person or your family or your kids, um, and, and how just bouncing around across the country might might affect all of them as well. Yeah, well. Kyle, man, we appreciate your insight today. We'll let you go. I know it's Friday on a Memorial Day weekend. I appreciate you jumping on this podcast. Wish you all the best uh, with your new opportunity there. Please keep in touch, and thank you for your insight. I will. No, thanks so much, guys. I, I love listening, so keep keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> we'll do, right, man. Thanks, Take Kyle. care. Bye. See ya. All right, thanks, guys. See ya. Really interesting insights, uh, you know, from someone who's in kind of the private sector, I guess, you know, just kind of how how the coronavirus is affecting them. It sounds like they're still having practices. Yeah, I mean, that's so this is Kyle Wendell, uh, volleyball coach. I thought he was at New Mexico, and you can see how things so quickly changed. I mean, that's a great reason why we wanted to talk to someone like him, where careers in the collegiate level, at the assistant coach level especially, are just fluid. 
they're here, they're there, they're here, they're getting let go, Swartz are cut. And you really can't set up those roots. And you heard him say, I mean, you know, it, it hurts it from the relationships you have to the kids that you uh, were coaching. You can't talk to them anymore. You get bounced around and it can become just exhausting. And so these coronavirus cuts just enhance that theme that much more. Right. That you're looking over your shoulder. Am I going to have a job next week, next month, the next year? That is a hard profession. And that's, that's a good man right there. He's a hardworking guy. And, and look at him, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's had a tough go. So we'll see uh, what the future holds with all this, but it was a good insight from him. Absolutely. All right, so this is AP and Spence coming back after two incredible interviews with great people. Uh, it was really cool to kind of humanize, uh, you know, the termination prospect and how that happens. Yeah, I think just hearing about how fluid it is, how much movement has to happen around the country, and you heard him say, I want a little stability in my life. I want some roots, right? And so as this coronavirus meltdown, these coronavirus casualties take place all across the country, keep that in mind if you're a listener. That's another family uprooted. Those are, another, those are coaches not going to connect anymore with their student-athletes because of recruiting rules. Those are lives, and, and that humanizes a little bit for us as opposed to just a headline of, oh, gymnastics has lost it at um, Duke and whatever, you know, and something to think about. I mean, that's kind of this whole economic piece of sports, which is important. Right. Uh, you know, and, and so on top of, there have been a lot of things that have happened this week, actually. Uh, this last week, um, uh, you know, something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was this big USC admission scandal, right? I mean, it wasn't just USC, but this was an admission scandal across many different schools. But USC was kind of one of the big players, and specifically Lori Laughlin. Well, Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky. And it just breaks my heart. Yeah, you know? yeah. Aunt Becky. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the deal. I mean, she, she and her husband, Massimo, uh -huh. paid $500,000, and things got filtered around. She was made to be a... Her daughter was made to be a fake recruit, rowing recruit, to be admitted because you get lesser admissions requirements when you're a star athlete. And so you can kind of backdoor into the school, and she's going to do jail time. That's right. Initially, she, she pled not guilty. She was getting ready to fight him. And then, and then the FBI just completely just demolished their argument, right? So they had these fake pictures of their daughters fake rowing that they took the pick the heads of these of their daughters and put them on actual rowers sent them to usc admissions and said you know we got to get these girls in and they never rowed in their lives and you know so so it was lots of different charges money laundering conspiracy to you know to 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 fraud misrepresentation all of this stuff and so she's going to be in jail for two months her husband's going to be in jail for five months over three hundred thousand dollars in fines and so they, they quickly pled guilty once all this additional information came out. Yeah, I think the only riding she had been doing, because she wasn't rowing, she, wasn't a, she was riding dirty, but she wasn't rowing uh, anything. Um, that's the only thing she was doing. And that's a terrible joke again. I, I, I can't. That's <laughs> yeah, not good. Yeah, not good. So, I, uh... yeah, it's, it's, you know, I mean, but in the end, you know, you, you, you can't cheat the system, right? I mean, you, you, you've got to. Uh, you know, the system is set up and, and, you know, if they were actual athletes and if they were on the team and got kicked off, that's a whole different story. Yeah. But they faked their whole way into this. Thing. Yeah. I think what was especially heinous is they 
paid money. It was wealthy people paying money for people that have no business being into. I mean, again, I've talked about this. USC has an 11% admission rate. It's become hyper-competitive recently. And there's people with 3.9s, 4.0s, really high test scores getting admitted. And she took the seat of somebody that was deserving that ended up getting bumped because she sat for some fake photos and her parents paid some money. It's really bad. I mean, that's a huge, massive scandal. And so, but I mean, Aunt Becky's gonna be in the clink for a couple of months and and Massimo for five months. I mean, you know, and we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, Massimo, I understand he's a designer. Maybe he'll, he'll uh, you know, wear some fancy stuff in, in prison. We'll have to see. Yeah, we'll see. And we'll see if they end up even having to go because of the coronavirus. I mean, you know. Right, yeah. that's, a, that's a great point. They're out for the coronavirus. And she's going to be sitting on the beach next week. Yeah. Uh, anyways, and on top of Aunt Becky, which, again, just breaks my heart. Uh, I grew up with that show. Yeah, me too. I, I had a major crush on Aunt Becky, I'll be honest. You still um, do. Yeah, still do. Um, but uh, on top of that, the NCA also just announced this last week that, uh, that, that student-athletes, specifically football, men's, and women's basketball, can go back to campus and start doing voluntary workouts starting June 1st. Yeah, I mean, that's basically like... Uh, what is that next week uh, eight or nine days from now uh yeah so but i don't it's interesting it's just football men's and women's basketball they were very clear it, yeah. it is just those two sports you know i, I mean there there are other fall sports you yeah. know uh, women's soccer women's volleyball uh swimming usually starts in the fall basketball you know uh men's volleyball starts in the fall so you know it, it's interesting that they didn't that they specifically said only football and men's and women's basketball why do you think that is money Money, baby. We got money sports that need to get going. Football has to happen. Get them doing voluntary workouts. Maybe in July they can do required workouts. And let's get football going. Let's get basketball going. Um, let's keep this machine up and running. States are opening up. Oregon, did you know, Spence, right now is, is in phase one reopening for the whole state except for three counties. And two of the three have already applied, so it might be just one county. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the same idea. You know, where everything's opening up, we got to get the money back, and they need to get football going. I think that's what the NCAA is saying. Let's get football going, and this is a step in the right direction. But notice it's voluntary workouts, so coaches can't be there. They can't be coaching. They can't be reporting back. They can't be filming it. But kids can show up and, and work on campus because those kids don't have those weights and those facilities um, at their house, right? right? I mean, they don't have those massive racks of things and all that stuff. They're, they got a, a set of dumbbells that are five pounds in their dorm room, but they got to go to these really state-of-the-art facilities. And now they can do that. The NCAA said, let's go. Yeah, and a lot of universities are changing around their, uh, when they're actually going to be holding classes. I've, I've noticed tons of universities are saying, we're going to start school middle of August. We're going to end school before Thanksgiving mm-hmm. rather than go into December. I mean, they're really trying to you know, take advantage of the mm-hmm. hopeful dip in the coronavirus, uh, you know, stuff going on uh, during the next few months and, and really take advantage of that and then shorten the the semester. Mm-hmm. And so that way kids can get back and and play football, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like a kind of a boom and bust thing. They're, they're anticipating maybe like in December, January, we'll have some resurgence of the flu, maybe the coronavirus. But we're in a sweet spot in July, August, September, October, maybe even part of November. Like it's it's party time, man. Let's let's open it up. Let's go. Well, we're here, we're we're certainly hoping that football starts. We're hoping basketball starts. We're hoping we get bowl games and March Madness next year. Uh, it's still pretty fluid, uh, but we'll keep monitoring it and keep everybody up to date. Absolutely. Yeah, we're two lawyers, uh, AP and Spence. We're talking sports and college sports and 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 uh, you know the law, and and we just. 
hope you enjoy the show. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, and uh, we look forward to helping you. See you guys.